Hi, this is Dr. Cheryl Field-Smith with um, the Black Family Home Educator and Scholars Group. This is a coffee talk about future homeschool research related to Black families. We have today four people who are in colleges around the country and they are doing research on Black homeschooling. So get your cup of coffee and join us. All right. My first question is, who are you? Tell the people who you are, what university you represent um, and where you are, like how, when do you expect to graduate? Oh, we'll start with Carla, <laughs> sorry. Sure, um, so my name is Carla Wellborn. I'm a Detroit native. Um, I'm currently studying at Vanderbilt University in the Leadership Policy and Organizations Department. I just finished my first year, so I will not be graduating for some time, but um, excited to um, continue looking into uh, scholarship around Black homeschoolers and um, further my research. Courtney? Hi, uh, my name is Courtney Douglas. I just finished my third year uh, at the University of Maryland College Park in the uh, Minority and Urban Education Program. And uh, I live in Washington, DC. I've been here for quite some time. I'm a former teacher um, in DC public schools. And so um, my work um, looks a little bit at, at black homeschooling, but um, primarily at black unschooling. And so I'm excited to be here and um, to get to talk to you all. Yes, it's nice to have somebody looking at um, unschooling. Um, Matthew. Hello everyone, so I'm Matthew Rankin, a rising sixth year grad student at the Department of Sociology at Emory University here in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, you know, like I said, my dissertation actually focuses on um, black homeschooling more so from the vantage point of the parents. I'm really interviewing mothers and fathers just to kind of gather an idea as to how the homeschooling experience is imagined and how it's voiced, you know, through um, through their lenses and or respective lenses. And um, yeah, it's been a wild ride so far, but I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> more adventure, I'll say that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you find with, with Black fathers. We don't hear from them much in the literature. So that's such a wonderful contribution to have. Um, and Jamila. Hi, so my name is Jamila Hawkins and I am a mid-grades education major, undergraduate student at Albany State University. And I will be graduating in fall 2021 of December. And my research, um, I do a lot of research on black homeschooling families and the rise of African-American homeschoolers. Yes, it's so nice to have an HBCU represented. I'm a graduate of an HBCU, so. <laughs> Really glad that you're here, Jamila. Um, Jamila, now you are, are you are a representative of undergraduate homeschool. I mean, undergraduate studies, and you were able to do research in your undergraduate program. So, how did that come about? Because that's a, a little bit unusual. Well, it all started when um, COVID, like literally in the midst of COVID. Um, I'm a part of. I'm an intern at the Center for. Um, um, education opportunities. And um, we were having a summer internship during the summer last year. And I was given the opportunity to pick a topic that I wanted to write research on. And out of all the topics given, the rise of 
African-American homeschoolers. I don't know why it just stood out to me. And so it was something I always wondered. And I've always looked at homeschooling as something that more of the Caucasian population would, you know, be more prevalent to do. But I never thought about uh, African-American actually homeschooling their children. And so I was intrigued and I wanted to know why do African-Americans homeschool their children? And once I started to do my research and actually build my literature review, it is like, it was so captivating. Like I would be going to sleep thinking about all these articles and these stories that I read. I'm just like, wow, I never knew this. And it helped me understand as a teacher candidate that there are more sides to the story. And so with that research, it planted a seed for me to want to know more. And that's that's where it all started. I don't want to give too much information yet. <laughs> no, that's really good. So those internship um, opportunities are really important in undergrad and getting your master's and even in your PhD program. If you have an opportunity for um, internships, then you might be able to do some research too, which actually will give you a leg up when you go to grad school. I'm just assuming you're going. Yes, ma'am. If you want to come to UGA and work with me, please. <laughs> I heard her claim it. She said future candidate. But that's a good segue into um, Carla, Courtney, and um, Matthew. What sparked your interest in um, doing research on Black homeschooling as well? Whoever wants to go first. I can kick us off. Um, I was interested in Black homeschool families because I'm a part of a Black homeschool family. Um, the running joke in our family is that we've been to every type of school you could imagine. So I went to public school, private school, Catholic school, Christian school, community college, private college, public I mean, I've gone to all of these different wow. types of schools, but it was, um, my parents were really dedicated to the public school system in Detroit, but we had challenges. Um, there was a lot of policing of my brother's behavior while we were in school, a lot of um, just kind of weird things happening um, in terms of like my parents ability to be involved. It was just a challenge in just about every type of school they went to or they sent us to. And so I was homeschooled from about fourth grade up until ninth grade. And then I did some community college and kind of entered into a lot more of a hybrid homeschool space where we did some community college classes, some learning at home, some co-op classes, and then some classes at a local high school. Um, and so what I realized from that experience is that my understanding of the level of control that parents have in their child's educational experiences was very different than my peers, especially when I was in college. Mm -hmm. um, even my understanding of my own freedom of choice in my body, my space, my decisions, all of that was very different because I grew up in a, I was in a much freer educational environment. And I didn't understand that at the time. Um, and so a lot of my curiosities around homeschooling are just to what extent um, do Black parents in particular have power over their child's educational experiences? What power do they perceive that they have? What power do they actually have? Um, and, and how does that kind of a play with or is associated with the educational experiences that their children have? Um, so my interest in this work is very much because of my own experiences. Sounds like you have a story you could write too about your experiences, you know, a, a really good um, ethnography. It would be funny because I used to also protest around the house with signs because I wanted to go back to school because I felt like they had taken me away from all my friends. So I had like signs of like taking me back to school and my parents just ignored me. I'm, I'm kind of glad they did. 
it would be good to read that perspective from somebody who grew up, you know, that would be really good. <laughs> okay, Matthew Courtney, what got you interested in researching Black homeschooling? Courtney, the floor is yours. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so like I said, I actually, um, I, I came to DC um, with a different major and then got into teaching through like an alternative certification program, um, was sort of like thrown into DC public school. So I was a um, high school teacher um, teaching um, secondary special education. And so um, from my experiences in the classroom, and then I, I, I was there for a little bit and then I left uh, primarily in a, in a Title I school. And so um, I left there and then was doing work with youth in the foster care system as well as the juvenile justice system, um, working with teen parents and then youth with like barriers to employment. So a lot of like these youth serving systems that um, always kind of linked back to education, but always seemed like education seemed to be the core problem of sort of like how or why they weren't able to kind of move forward um, in their lives. And so um, after kind of I, I knew that like pursuing a PhD was like something kind of in the back of my mind, but I always was like, you know what, I'm gonna just wait till it feels right. So I like actually feel like it's gonna be meaningful. And so once I started kind of like getting that, that itch again, it was like, okay, I, I know that I don't wanna spend my time sort of like investing, I guess, or building systems that I see like just aren't working for our kids. And so um, just in all of the spaces that I had experienced and been in and even sort of seeing you know, over, you know, a decade, like where the outcomes were of, of these students over, over time, it was just like, I think we need something else. I think there's something, you know, better. And I, I didn't know any black homeschoolers at all, um, whether growing up or sort of even when I started to kind of ask these questions. Um, but I remembered some organization that a, a graduate student had like shared with us when I was in my master's program um, at George Washington. And, and she talked about like, you know, this idea that like homework was unnecessary. And I was like, what? I'm a teacher. Like you're a teacher. How, how could that even be, you know, possible? And so she connected it to this book. And then that was connected to this organization, um, the um, Alternative Education Resource Organization. Um, and so I started going to their, their conferences and it was like, you know, a lot of white people and like these very free ideas around like progressive education and like Sudbury schools and like free schools and democratic schools. And I was like, whoa, first of all, I've like never heard about any of this. Um, and then I was there and like nobody looked like me at, the, at this conference. And so um, I was listening to these panels of these different youth who were like experiencing these things. I was like, this sounds just so so free and so liberating. And like, there's no black people here. And so it was like I, I, that kind of interrogation of like, why isn't that you know, the case, how come that's not happening? And so the next year I went to the conference, Akila Richards spoke. Um, and so she does work around black unschooling and just black liberation connected to unschooling. And so that's really sort of how, what really frames and I think shapes kind of like how I think about these things and, and why. Um, and it really just still goes back to sort of my experiences, I think in the classroom and, and just seeing kids who are unhappy and not not having other opportunities and I feel like parents are like frustrated but don't always understand like what their other options are. Wait, wait. Matthew? Okay so uh, I first got into homeschooling I'll never forget it you know my family and I we were um so this happened during the last year uh, of my stint as an at-home dad um, I had the fortunate opportunity to be at home with my son for three years after he was born and so if you, I think about years in terms of uh, semesters right or academic years and so this is the spring semester of my last year or my, my third year 
and we were, you know, we were on family, we were on vacation, we were riding around and there was an NPR segment on and they were talking about the rise of black homeschoolers. And I just remember the segment just, just talking, you know, hearing the speaker talk about, you know, many of the issues that I guess nowadays are, you could say are commonplace, right? The issues with the public education system, how teachers treat the um, students. And there was a focus more so on the boys, but um, just hearing the parents talk about, look, um, parents are just fed up. They were like, I need to get out of the system. And my kids, I want my kids to be happier and enjoy education more. And so while, the, so that's going, so that happened in the, uh, you know, in the spring of 2016, I'm going to enroll in the fall for my first year of you know, grad school. I didn't know that I was going to tackle this topic. You know, I, I didn't say to myself, yeah, this is going to be it. Right. But I did, I did sort of earmark it and, you know, and tucked it away. I said, you know, what, I want to come back to this at some point in time. And uh, lo and behold, you know, when it came time for, you know, the dissertation proposal and all of these things, I'm sort of racking my brain and, and going through all the things that really, really speak to me, right? If you're gonna do a dissertation, you're gonna to wanna to have something that's gonna just hold you and, and really, really keep you motivated. And so, you know, I came back to, I came back to what I know and what I enjoy is education. And I wanted to explore black homeschooling a little bit more in depth. And more specifically, I'm interested in how parents go about articulating the motivations for homeschooling, how to go about articulating their choices for curriculum, how they go about actually doing the teaching, what do they physically do in the household to teach a given subject or a concept. And I'm really interested in how mothers and fathers um, go about this. As Dr. Phil Smith said before, you know, you know, fathers, they're maybe, when they're mentioned in the literature, it's more so in a supportive role. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that in any sort of uh, diminishing way. It's just that they play more of a supportive role. It is a very, very much, um, you know, um, mothers are at the helm. And so I want to both voices at the fore of this uh, research and really, really have a comparative 360 view of what homeschooling looks like through the um, vantage point of the parents and how to go about creating this, you know, rising enterprise in our country. Wow, that's really good. Well, you know, we are in an era of the rise of homeschooling among Black families. It, um, it actually increased during the pandemic among Black families fivefold, according to the recent census data. So, um, that's amazing. Um, we went from 3.4% to like something like 16.1% in a really short period of time. A lot of that is because of the pandemic. But um, what have you learned in what you've read about Black homeschooling? And why is this work so important that we, we document what's happening right now? Anybody? <laughs> Can I hop in? <laughs> okay. This is, I'm gonna um, somewhat piggyback off a point that Carla mentioned earlier about walking around the house with her uh, posters or her, um, you know, her signs protesting. But, you know, I say that in a sort of tug in cheek way, but no, but seriously, I, I come to see homeschooling and the literature says this too. In many ways, I feel like it is a revolutionary act, you know, to home, to literally just take your children's um, or your family's educational um, trajectory in your hands and say, we are going to do this. And it's a family commitment. As to what, to what I've learned, I've learned that homeschooling is a family-wide commitment, um, whether, even if it's within the, the immediate family, but, you know, it takes the sacrifices for many people in terms of income, in terms of time, energy, and uh, the kids have to buy into it, obviously. And so I've learned that it, it, it takes so many different forms and that all the parents, they all say to me, I sort of ask them for their parting shots after our interviews. And 
so many of them said the same thing. They would just say, look, um, <laughs> one parent, she said, she put it best. She goes, um, my gumbo is not going to taste like anybody else's gumbo, right? You're going to have all these different ingredients. I could tell you what I'm putting in mine and it's still yours will not taste like mine. And so how everyone's homeschooling endeavor looks different and you need to respect it and understand that there's nuance in this. And, you know, I just, I really do see homeschooling as this a, a revolutionary form of living, especially as you move forward and thinking about all the different ways, if you think about it in sort of social political context, you know, voting, you know, voting restrictions, right. And, um, you know, just different and policing and all of these different things that are just sort of squeezing down on black people and black communities and families and education. It has to be that, it has to be that light that breaks through. That's why I see it as um, whether or not, I don't know if I want to get on that sort of high horse, so to speak, or sort of speak in that, in that tone, but I just really do feel like this could be a form of revolution that we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I could jump off of that, Matthew, I agree. Um, I was thinking while you were talking about Bianca Baldridge at Wisconsin um, and how she kind of talked about how part of the motivation behind her interest in alternative educational spaces is this idea that schools were not built for Black youth. Um, and so this constant like butting up against the wall, trying to turn this structure that was not designed to benefit our children into something that actually um, not only educates them, but like helps them thrive um, is, is a challenging question. It's not a question that should be avoided or given up, but, but it is also important for us to explore what are alternative educational spaces for our youth that are designed to help them thrive. Like we should at least be exploring and understanding them. Um, and so it's been an interesting experience for me to put what I'm reading in the literature over this past year and compare it with what I've been seeing in practice over you know, a couple decades. I have a lot of family members at homeschool. I know a lot of homeschool communities in Detroit. And so seeing there's even during the pandemic, a good friend of mine created like a homeschool network of black families intentionally resisting the lack of communication that was coming out of their public school system about what their COVID-19 um, like plans would be. They, they were really slow in communicating it. And we all understand schools had a major challenge, but she and another group of black families then decided, well, we have other options. And so they created their own community um, to begin this like homeschooling co-op that's still going and they plan to keep it going even past the pandemic. And so I think a part of this um, what these themes of resistance and Matthew, what you were saying about like this revolutionary act, um, what inspires me about this work is that it is this like, you said I had five options. I actually have way more than that. Um, and this is what I'm seeing black parents do, right? I have way more options than what you've told me I have. Um, and that's what the literature is showing too. Like we can resist the options that are put in front of us and, and choose our own path for our children if we want to. Wow. Jamila, yeah. Like to piggyback off of what uh, Matthew Ann Caller said, it it's the one the way I look at homeschooling and why it's so important. Um, the word that comes to me when I think about Black homeschooling is the word revelation, and all of that is just revealing the truth. Mm-hmm. So homeschooling allows families to reveal the truth about education because. When you go to public school and in private school and even charter schools, they're all different schoolings, but 
like Courtney said, you know, you can be involved and you can be in the school and teaching and still not know all the other options or all the other ways that a child can be educated because we all know that children are not one size fit all. <laughs> you know, children learn different ways and children are different. They have different upbringings and, up and different backgrounds, especially when you look at the black child versus any other child in, in different culture. We're not treated the same because we are not the same, you know, as anyone else. And so when I think about homeschooling, I think about revealing the truth and pulling back that onion and the different layers that come with education, that it's not just one route to receive um, just one destination. And there isn't one destination. There are multiple routes that a child can take, even with the whole you know, misconception that every child has to go to high school, I mean, go, go to college. I don't believe personally that every child has to go to college because there are different routes you can still be successful. And so in high school or, or in public schooling, you're always, they're always telling us that you need to prep for college. We need to make sure we have our PSATs. We need to make sure we have our SATs, our ACTs. And these are systems that are keeping African-Americans held back be, based off of a standardized test score. And so Homeschooling is just allowing families and children to break through those barriers and break through that gap, that glass ceiling that says that you can only go this level by going this way. The future leaders of America. Yes, yes, yes. Courtney, anything that you want to say about the importance and, and maybe what you've learned a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I just, um, yeah, I'm so glad to be here. You yeah, all are. I'm glad you're all here too. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's just really affirming, I think, because a lot of times I kind of feel like I'm the only person in my in my space, even though, um, you know, I'm with colleagues who, um, you know, we're, we're all kind of like thinking about, um, you know, just critical ways um, that we can think about education of Black people, but like kind of this particular vein, um, is, is a little bit different. And so even among my professors are sort of like, okay, like you're kind of in this lane over here. But um, I, I agree with what everyone has said. I think um, what I'll just add um, is, is, is really thinking about sort of like the historical perspective. And so um, part of what, what I see in the literature and, and, and some of the work that I've done is really sort of helping to make that connection between like this isn't new for us. Like we've been doing this, you know, and even just that idea that these places weren't built for us. They weren't designed for us. They did not have us in mind. Uh, we were intentionally excluded. And so we've always had to find our own. We've always had to build our own, to make our own, to find our own, own ways. Um, and so for me, um, you know, these, these themes are connected directly to, to slavery as well as to freedom. Um, and I think when, when you think about like by any means necessary, like we we want all of the options and it's like yes there's people who have to do that education reform work but then there's also people who are going to say like there's another means by which you know we're going to we're going to pursue freedom and i think to not to not take it lightly that like we're we're fighting for our lives you know and when you look at what's happening to black children in schools you know whether that's physically emotionally whether that's you know for their safety whether that's for their mental health it's like no, we're actually still fighting that. Like I'm, I'm, you know, in this PhD program, I'm having conversations about, you know, things that happened to me in middle school that like just brought so much shame around blackness that I'm like, 
No, this is trauma. Like, and so when we think about these things, even just like the education thread is like one thing, but it's like, this is connected to like saving our own lives. And so um, for, for those reasons, I'm, I'm always going to be a proponent. And I think there's so much that can just be, you know, learned, um, through these, through these things. Yeah. Wow. Can I ask a follow-up question? I've been dying to ask you this since you brought it up, but I didn't, but I feel like it's appropriate based on what you just said, but you talked about being interested in unschooling and I'm not as familiar with the literature on unschooling, but I yeah. feel like it's related to what you just said. Could you share, is it okay if she shares a little bit about that? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so as simply as I can, um, so, so, so unschooling is thinking about um, self-directed learning, basically. So the way that I kind of explain it to people is like, if you understand homeschooling, then think about homeschooling without curriculum. So there's not grades, there's not tests, there's not, you know, we're going to learn this on these days. It's literally like natural, organic, sort of self-directed and like child-led and child-driven. And so, um, yeah, it's, it is, it is very free. Um, so I could pause there because I don't know if there's other parts of that that you were curious about, but I, I could say a lot, but I will. You know, I could there. tell you that when I first started doing homeschool research, it was in like 2006 was the first time I did a study. And when I asked people to identify whether they were home unschoolers or if they were more just regular schoolers, um, African-Americans, they were uneasy with identifying as um, unschoolers. And part of the reason is they didn't think that that they thought they had to be structured. Right. Um, and now I see there's more freedom. People are self-identifying more and more yeah. as unschoolers. Um, what was unusual was when I, then asked about individually about how they did their homeschooling. There was a lot of elements of unschooling, following the children's <laughs> interest, um, you know, using those interests as the curriculum, hands-on learning. I was like, wow, they're not identifying this way, but they are approaching it this way. There's a, that, there was a fear of that label, but I, I, I'm so grateful to see that we're moving away from that fear more and more. Yeah. So. Can I speak to that a little bit too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, um, with the parents I've spoken to thus far, along those lines, right, those three sort of bullet points, if you will, in terms of, you know, homeschooling, unschooling, freedom, and all of these things. And, you know, there are some parents who would um, voice, uh, even you know, they're as homeschooling parents, whether they're sort of uh, new to the game or they're veterans, some would voice uh, not not outright disdain, but they were sort of critical of unschooling. Mm -hmm. And when I would ask why or what's that, they would say, "Well, and, and it reminds me just the idea of sort of like the matrix, right? This cage you're in. It's like you want to be free. We do, you know, so many um, families homeschool to um, remove their kids from the system and sort of forge their own path. However, right, there's this but there where it's like, okay, I want to homeschool. I don't want to unschool because." Remember, my children, my, my children are Black. They're going to need to have X amount of credentials if they're going to go out into this world, right? And so it's like, no, it, it, it's sort of this, this um, tug and pull where it's like, no matter how free you want to get, there's always something there. There's always this larger structure that's there that is checking you or um, 
making you feel as though you have to or requiring this of you. And so it really, and I, I may even want to delve more so into that dynamic, um, you know, as I started going through the research, but this idea of the, um, the tug and pull of freedom, right? And the idea there's so many different uh, systems in place that either remind you or check you and let you know that you can be free, but how far, to what extent can you be free, so. Yeah, yeah, that's really powerful, I think. I think it goes back to what Courtney was saying in terms of our history. I often try to figure out what it would have been like to be a social studies teacher um, a black social studies teacher of black children during the Jim Crow era. So you're teaching these children about democracy and you step out your door and it's anything but democracy in your life. But yet those are the teachers who somehow inspired our Martin Luther King and, and um, you know, all the leaders that led to the civil rights era. So, they did something amazing that I think is akin to what might be happening in Black homeschooling today for all children, because we're not free yet either completely. But in order to get your child to overcome those things that tell you supposedly those invisible things, um, Dr. Cynthia Dillard would tell us that we need to unlearn what we have been taught to forget, right? We've been taught to forget who we were, you know, back when we were on the continent and all of our achievements back then. And so of course we can teach our own kids, but um, those limits that are on us, somehow you, we do need to break free from that. Um, for saying unlearn, it's so funny because I remember in my 10th grade year of high school, I had a teacher that taught us everything that the curriculum was supposed to teach us. And <laughs> we learned everything book by book, chapter by chapter. And then towards like the end of the semester, we had a couple of weeks left. We literally unlearned everything that, you know, we were taught and we were taught how it, everything started in Africa. So it's like oh. he that time to make sure that, I'm going to save myself by doing my job, <laughs> but I'm going to save you guys by telling y'all the truth. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't understand how valuable that was until this moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> because at first I, I was just thinking like, okay, well, this is interesting. Like, you know, I've never had a class like this before. And even as I go back and think about just certain things that we learned, I was grateful for it because I would have never known. But as we're talking about unlearning and as we're talking about what those teachers were actually teaching the uh, Malcolm X's or Martin Luther King's, maybe they were doing a little bit of that during those, um, those revolutionary years. Maybe they were taking time out to teach them what the curriculum or the standards were, but throwing in those golden nuggets of life lessons and actually helping them understand about who they are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what they're capable of, because they certainly came, came out of those schools and changed the world. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so let me, um, I'm, I'm curious about what you plan to do when you get your degrees and finish this, you know, those of you that are working on dissertations on black homeschooling, um, do you, you know, what challenges do you think there are in trying to 
continue to work? You know, do you want to be in academia or is there someplace else that you want to be? What are you going to do with this great knowledge that you get? Who's up? Who's up first? <laughs> oh man, sure. I'll go with, I'll go for it. Um, You're the closest to finishing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's like, not it. Right? Um, I mean, gosh, there's, that question is, it's definitely been sort of like an existential um, question. And, you know, so much of this work and so much of what I've learned, you know, it becomes a part of you. And, you know, just, just for the record, you know, not only am I, you know, closing towards the end of this program, but, you know, my wife and I, you know, we're homeschooling our kids, right? And so that balance in and of itself is challenging. Okay. And then we think about, okay, so, you know, what's next? Well, how do you, and all I know is while, you know, the, the academy is um, something that is a viable option, right? I mean, the, the, the idea of what Black professors meant to me when I was coming up, you know, in undergrad and, and in grad school, you know, the, the idea of, and I can't deny it, I mean, even as a grad school student, being able to teach your own class, there's a certain rush that comes from that, being up there and just talking to different people and young, young minds and just collaborating and, and back and forth. There's a, like, you cannot deny that there is a, there's a joy to that, um, and at the same and at the same time, and just working with other, you know, working with colleagues. At the same time, there's so much joy in me teaching my own children different things. You know, talk. You know, we spent the past several weeks talking about ancient Egypt, and now we want to move on to you know, you know, the uh, the Kushites and, and things, and how those two civilizations, you know, um, connected. And but just the idea of saying the idea of curating that experience for your children, and in many ways, you know, parents are the first teachers, but I think about, it's almost like you have these dreams, right? You know, the idea of my, my kids being able to say one day, you know, my father taught me, or, um, you know, my, my mommy taught me this, you know? And just to have that, that also pulls me very, very um, strongly. And so in many ways, I guess I'm at sort of a, a crossroads here. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't know, I can't, I'm not gonna say exactly what it's going to be, but mm -hmm. was that education in one shape or form will be um, a thread that I follow, so. Um, that you know once you once you sort of cross that threshold you can't go back yeah that's good <laughs> anyone else i know it might seem far off but it's always good to have a, an idea of where you're headed even if it might shift later you know have you thought about what you want to do with the work that you complete um i i could share because i've i've been thinking about this a lot, uh, not with answers, but but probably more with questions. Uh, and so, I think I think I do at least want to try uh, the academic route um, for a bit, and we'll kind of see how that goes. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's funny because you know my work is is so much about like freedom and like the antithesis of school. And then like the academy is the, you know, direct opposite. And it's like, these things don't really go together, but also, you know, just kind of from talking to, to professors and even you, I think the, the autonomy that you actually have within that role to kind of do and shape the things that you want is, is really attractive to me. Um, but then even, I mean, and maybe mostly since being a grad student, I think there's still the, the pull and the tension of like, um, like I miss being around kids. Like I miss being around young people. I miss, um, like the energy and the passion of sort of like what, um, 
in some ways schools are designed to kind of like bring, but also, you know, after school programs or just like youth, youth programs generally. Um, and so there's, there's always a tension of like, well, I don't know how I do this and sort of like have my feet on the ground and sort of really be among the people. Because I think there's a lot of ways where I'm like, even um, to, to your question, Carla, about like the, the literature about um, black unschooling, it's like, it doesn't really exist. Like I'm hoping to kind of like help that come forward, but it's like, it's on social media. It's in like people's personal stories. It's in books and it's like among families who are living it. Um, and I think I want to still be very connected to that work and to, you know, the young people who are actually, you know, living and experiencing it. And so, um, in part, I'm hoping maybe that, you know, something like, um, like participatory action studies will like allow me to sort of make, make some of those, um, you know, bridges. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think I always want to find myself among, among the people who are doing it more than just kind of in the ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I'm very brand new to the world of academia. So I have given this a little bit of thought, but not a ton. Um, my background is practice. So I taught for a few years and then helped lead a nonprofit for the last five years before I came into school. Um, and so I think I'll always just kind of have like the need for an applied, um, like a, an applied focus to my work. So I, I'm hoping right now to be able to do that through academia um, because of the freedom that that would allow for research interests, or I'm hoping the freedom that it would allow for pursuing the research interests that I myself um, would like to pursue. But I'm similar to what you both were saying, I'm pretty flexible. Um, my overall goal is that whatever I'm doing would would be able to pair theory and also like applied action um, mm-hmm. in a way that I think is, that for me would be meaningful for the communities. I know a lot of people can do research and know that someone else is gonna pick it up and run with it in the applied world. I would like to be at least see the run happen <laughs> in order to feel internal satisfaction. So I'm still kind of grappling with what that means. Um, for myself, but um, yeah, either academia or even a, a think tank that's allowing, that is interested in like an Andre Perry, you know, someone that's able to like kind of be an advocate for Black families and Black people um, from a policy um, bin, so something like that. Awesome, awesome. Um, I would say that uh, I feel as like, like, you know, all of you all feel just on a different level because... <laughs> I haven't gotten my degree yet. <laughs> so uh, with me, I do plan on uh, going to graduate school and getting my PhD. That is a, a goal of mine. And it's not something that I want to sit on. It's not something I want to wait a gap year. I do want to start working on that um, as soon as I can. And so that's something that is like an action item uh, for right now. Um, of course, I'm going to be teaching once I do graduate and I was literally talking to myself yesterday about okay so I'm learning two different things (laughs) I'm learning I'm learning about the you know the standard teacher way and then I'm also learning about homeschooling which they don't they don't really connect I mean it's all for the students yes but it's it's different and so I guess I'm just trying to understand where I can best fit even if I'm just teaching for a season just to you know get my feet wet and understand how this goes because I don't have any children yet so I don't really know um I, I really don't know exactly where this is going to lead me 
Um, I know that I like research. I know that it's become a passion of mine to research Black homeschooling. I know that I'm researching it so much that I may, when I do have children, homeschool them. So it's it's different. It's it's a lot, but it's a it's it's a good problem. It's a good problem because there are a lot of options, and I know that wherever I go, that's where I'm supposed to be. Even if it's different seasons, like if I'm in the school system, then I, that's where I need to be for them. If I'm, you know, uh, an advocate for black homeschooling, then that's where I need to be. Like, I know wherever I end up, you know, walking, I will be beneficial and I will be used for the purpose intended at that time. But I just don't know where I'm going to be at. <laughs> no worries. You have time. You have time. Oh my gosh, this has been absolutely amazing. I am so, so grateful to have such intelligent, insightful people coming into the field of Black homeschool research. You have so much to add to it. Um, I do want to say, I heard, um, heard you, Courtney and Carlo, when you talked about wanting that connection between the research and the practice. And I think when I think about it, that's why we formed the Black Family Home Educator and Scholars Group, because we have homeschool practitioners, but we have scholars there too. And we're hoping that the two can, um, you know, have some synergy together and, and inform one another, right, on the work. Um, we are going to have a um, Black Homeschool Research Conference in October, and I'm so excited about that. Um, and we will just focus on Black homeschool research. The website is almost finished. It should be another, another week or two. Um, and I'll be sending the email to you all to submit your proposals. And it's a different type of um, conference. We want people whose work is in process or you're just dreaming of the work you want to do. Um, anybody that's interested in it, we want to talk to you and talk together. It's also different because the last phase of the, there's three phases and the last phase is we're going to work on projects together. We create a space where we can actually do something together and plan it and get it started. So I'm really excited about that work. I also want to remind you that you're, you know, those of you that, you know, and Jamila, you too, um, Dr. Khadija Ali Komen and I, um, as part of our BFHES work, we have a um, book series and your dissertations and thesis can become a book that go into the series. It's Contemporary Perspectives on Black Homeschooling, and it's with um, the Information Age publishers, and they will distribute it widely. Um, Dr. Ali Coleman and I would be your editors and help you get that baby published. So, you know, remember that if you want to uh, publish your work when it's finished. Um, and let's see, I'm going to want to thank you all. Yes, thank you all for coming and being and sharing your time with us. 